Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. Good evening to you all. My name is Jeremy Scott, and well, you know what the name of the show is because uh, hopefully you come back each and every week for it. It's called Into the Parabnormal, and tonight we're talking about crop circles. All sorts of theories about what they may be, what they may not be, and I'm always interested in talking with folks who have actually been inside some of these crop circles. And um, Gary King is one of those people who's actually been on the ground inside some of these crop circles. And uh, he's been able to, well, well, he's going to tell his story. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he may be picking up a certain energy um, in the field. And certainly he's captured some of this phenomena on film, which is really, really exciting. The phenomenon of crop circles stretches far beyond the boundaries of England with over a thousand crop circles spanning the globe. Although some have come forward to take responsibility for the creation of these crop circles, not all of them can be man-made. So is there a possible ET connection to their making? We're going to uh, examine that tonight with crop circle researcher Gary King and also with Darcy Weir. Gary's the researcher, Darcy's the filmmaker, and in the film Crop Circle Realities, they discuss the implication of these crop circles and the messages that they hold for mankind. Gary has been researching the phenomenon for over 25 years. He uses video to bring the immediacy and astonishment of the crop circle phenomenon to the viewer, regularly filming formations both from air and ground, and presents video reports on events as they surface in the U.K. Gary King is one of the most sought-after guides during crop circle season. He's also in the forefront of crop circle research, focusing on how humans can derive meaning from the symbolic nature of the crop circles. Along with Michael Glickman, he produces the Facebook site Against the Grain. They also have video blogs, which are a fantastic research uh, uh, resource uh, for those of you who are interested 
Darcy Wurr has been writing, filming, and editing along with producing documentaries since 2012. You'll find his works at occultjourneys.com. And the latest, as mentioned, is Crop Circle Realities. I'm so good to have both of them here on the program. Welcome, Gary King and Darcy Weir, to Into the Parabnormal. Thanks very much. It's nice to be here. That is Gary. Do we have Darcy? Jeremy is spoken. <laughs> yes. Yes. Me? Yes, he has. I definitely have spoken, and uh, you, as they say, you can hear me now, or can you hear me now? I really am interested in talking with both of you. I, I've always told Darcy that the uh, films in which he makes are just about fascinating subjects, and he certainly pulls together a combination of witnesses and researchers and even just lay people who have opinions like me on this. I don't profess to have any you know, special knowledge. Um, Gary, I would like you to introduce yourself to the audience and perhaps maybe how we should do that is to tell the audience what happened to you in july of 2007 oh right um so uh i've been researching uh, crop circles for 10 years at that point um and i've kind of been doing it you know on my own reading books attending conferences um visiting as many crop circles as i could uh, for the 10 years prior to that and then in this particular summer, I, um, I, I, I was at university and it was a summer break. So I took a trailer down from Cardiff where I was living about 70 miles away from Wiltshire and parked the caravan and decided to go to the Crop Circle Cafe every morning and find out the latest news and visit the latest Crop Circles and generally hang out for the summer. And the date, the 777, the 7th of July 2007 was approaching and... I don't know, I just decided that I was going to do a night watch. I, I, it's not something I'd done regularly, sort of hung out to try and catch whatever it was that makes crop circles. But I just thought, you know, for some reason, let's do it this night. And um, me and my girlfriend, who had also been into crop circles, went up on top of this hill. Um, it's called Nap Hill, and it overlooks Eastfield, which is a kind of hot spot for crop circles. And when we got there, we met up with a man who... Um, I coincidentally met earlier in the day, but um, he'd uh, he'd set up a load of cameras up on top of the hill and uh, down in the car park uh, connected to his van. He was video recording the field. Um, and so we sat down with him and, and started chatting and he explained all this equipment he'd got and why he'd gone there and so on. Um, and it was a windy, cold, dark night. <clears throat> and we sat there and then about three o'clock in the morning, there was an odd flash of light. Um, this flash of light, you know, momentarily, we were in a good conversation at the time, so it momentarily caught our attention and we wondered what it was, if it was lightning or, you know, it hadn't been a stormy night. Um, and then after we finished our conversation about 10 minutes later, Wynn decided to get up and look through um, the camera um, and when he opened the viewfinder, he immediately asked us to jump up and have a look too. And through the uh, viewfinder of the camera, we could see this huge crop circle laid out in the field in, uh, in East Field. We still couldn't see it with our eyes at that point. We could only see it through this light-sensitive camera. Um, and it was it was quite unbelievable, really, because it was we, we could see how vast it was. It was 150 circles that spanned out over 1,033 feet in one direction and um, about 525 feet in the other direction. Um and we knew that Wynn had started filming before it went dark, so we knew there was nothing in the field at 11 o'clock that night. And by sort of 3.20, it was when, when the camera tape was later analysed, 
it was visible at 320. So this huge crop circle of, of over 150 circles that appeared in under 300 minutes uh, in, in black, total darkness. No cam- The cameras didn't detect anybody in there with torches on their heads or anybody working. We would have heard any noise, I think, as well. We heard cars go past in the distance and so on. Um, and then when the light came up, we went and walked inside it, and there's great footage of us walking around in it looking like ants compared to the vastness of this crop circle. Um, it was uh, it was it was a surreal experience, I have to tell you. Um, from the um, you know from the um, sort of analysis we can make comparing that to people who go out and make crop circles. Um, there's several examples that can be seen on the web. Uh, Ashrae Beer, the Japanese beer company, had a crop circle made for their, essentially had their beer label put into a field. And you can see that it took 40 engineers using high-tech equipment over a week uh, to complete it, working from sunrise to sunset. So when I compare that to um, what appeared in front of us that night, I have to uh, convince my, I'm convinced it for myself that there's something other than people who go out and make all the crop circles. I got to jump in here for a sec, uh, Gary. Uh, a quick question. Um, now, when you have said in the past, when was partially responsible in the, uh, before he met you, he had said he had seen orbs or UFOs uh, over a crop that had a crop circle that had appeared, right? Yeah, there's a story to this. Um, so so I, I mentioned that I went to the Crop Circle Cafe every day. And when I used to go in there, I knew the owner, Charles, very well. And, and um, you know, I used to, if people came in and asked where Crop Circles were, we had a map and we'd point them out and send them in the right direction and I'd help. And, um, uh, the, and there was a video recorder with a TV in the corner. And every day I would go in and I'd choose a DVD and I'd choose the same one. For weeks I was doing this, I was putting the same DVD on of this documentary that had been made by a Norwegian filmmaker uh, called Crossovers into Another Dimension because I thought it was just good as background and people came in and caught parts of it. Anyway, on this particular day, on the 6th of July, for some reason I put another DVD on and it was about um, orbs. Um, It had been produced by Bert Janssen and Janet Osobar, two crop circle researchers, um, in 1996, I think. And I put this one on, which was you know, kind of out of character what I've been doing every day before. And this win caught, uh, the first time I encountered him was he was kind of hurriedly running out of the cafe. And, and, and I stopped him and said, what's the, what's, you know, what's the excitement? I thought maybe the new crop circle had been discovered and he'd heard about it or something. And he said, oh, you won't believe this. He said, um, I've just watched, he said, 20 years ago, I came here and um, went on top of Nap Hill and I had a kind of 1996 camcorder, and I watched an orb of light fly out into the middle of the field, and um, it, it expanded to about 20 feet in diameter, and he heard the cor- the wheat rustle, and then the orb closed back up and went off across the Vale of Pusey, and then afterwards there was this 20-foot crop circle. And, every, and that had spurned him to come to Wiltshire every year with more and more sophisticated camera equipment, trying to recapture it because he didn't even have a chance to switch this camcorder on to catch it. But this DVD that I put on the TV that day, coincidentally, had somebody else, a witness, who also saw that, who was parked further down the hill in their, car- in their camper van. 
And and this DVD had a, um, a, an interview with this person who, who described the same thing. So this win was rushing off to the cash point to get some money to buy this DVD because he said for 20 years he thought he was the only one on the hill. That's how I met him. <laughs> Damn it. I, I really should have asked that question on camera. <laughs> Good story, huh? It is, and thank you for uh, bringing that uh, point uh, to us, Darcy. We really are dealing with, gentlemen, when you agree, a combination of things. Some that are obviously hoaxes that are made by man, um, but some that aren't. And and maybe there's uh, something right in between. Yeah, um, you know, um, what I like to say is, look, we've had more than 7,000 crop circles worldwide now for over 40 years. And there's, there's um, you know, when you look at, there's a guy who's written a book whose name escapes me at the moment, who's written a book on the history of crop circles. And it's got quite good evidence that there were circles or shapes and designs that were appearing way before this kind of modern campaign, which we say started around 1979 in Wiltshire. Um, I've actually had a strange day today where we've met some people from the military who um, uh, say that there were crop circles in Mexico in 1947 and they're going to try and find the records for me, which would be very interesting. But that's an aside. So <clears throat> um, the, these these crop circles, um, let me think of how I was, I've, I've kind of lost my thread, sorry. I went off on a tangent talking about these guys getting this information today and forgot what we were saying. Yeah, and no worries. You're a busy man. The crop circles have been showing up for many years now. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we have a history of sort of an explanation. And sometimes they say it's spiral flattening or ball lightning. You know, they used to think it was a weather phenomenon earlier on, but they never, ever equated it to being hoaxed by men early, you know, in, in the years that they first started no, showing that's up. Right. That's right. But what, what I was going to say, I've, I've, I've remembered what I was going to say now. There's been over 7,000 worldwide. And um, if, we, if we were to agree and lay all those photographs of, of those crop circles out and, um, on the table and also maybe had some information about them and associated stories with them and so on and evidence and data produced some scientific results, and we decided that we were going to push to one side the ones that were clearly man-made and have a little pile in the middle that said, you know, not not necessarily little, but a pile of photographs in the middle which we weren't sure about, uh, maybes, they were maybes. And then the ones on the right-hand side of the table, ones that we definitely think are strange, mysterious, and there's lots of reasons to think that, you know, this, this is something else. If, if, we were to, if we were to generate those three piles, then to me the most interesting thing to then talk about is the pile on the right-hand side of the table. Because, yes, people can go out and make crop circles, and they do, and they say that they do it to trick people and deceive people and so on. But if we don't want to be deceived in any way and we want to be clear about what's man-made and what's a mystery and, and then what that mystery could mean for humanity, then I think that's a very interesting question. Gary, it seems to be that because I've seen your film, Crop Circle Realities, and I've seen these orbs that come over the top of these, well, this field that where there is no crop circle. And then these orbs swoop in and you actually in real time start to see the circle, the formation form. 
That's right. Yeah. And that's and, you know, and that 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 video, although you know heavily debunked, um, has been analysed by several laboratories, um, and we've spoken to Disney animators. That was back in two thousand and four, and shown them the video and asked them what it would take to create it with nineteen ninety six kind of camera technology and so on. And when you get into the details of it, you know, there's lots of reasons to suggest that, that it would be impossible for this man, knowing that there wasn't a crop circle in that field the night before and that there was a daylight the next morning, for him to have supposedly gone off 25 miles to a laboratory and animated it all up and then driven back another 35, 40 miles to be back at the barge in for 10 o'clock in the morning with it all faked up, it's frankly impossible. Um, and we're left, we're left then with the conclusion that, you know, uh, so many people have said throughout ufology and other areas over the years that there are people that kind of do debunk things which should be paid attention to maybe more seriously and the details should be more widely known. And I think Oliver's Castle is one of those cases. Tell us about that uh, location, please. It's called Oliver's Castle after Oliver Cromwell because of the history of Wiltshire. Um and it's an escarpment, a very beautiful escarpment that overlooks this kind of a buttressing to the landscape that comes up against the kind of hills behind it uh, and swoops down into fields below. And uh, it's kind of an old Iron Age hill fort at the top. There's a circular um, round mound of trees, a kind of ditch and a rampart, you know, like you see at Avebury and so on. And that looks down into these cornfields and wheat fields and that's where John Whaley camped out and look you know when he when he was awo- he was awoke he was awoke at four o'clock by hearing this high-pitched kind of what um, I kind of envision as sort of fairy music or kind of high-pitched music it was a tonality that woke him up um and he started video recording these balls of light flying around in the field he didn't actually see the crop circle go down at first because he was so entranced by seeing these orbs flying around. Yeah, it's when he got back to the pub later on, uh, he was showing people the video on his mini DV tape. It was darker there, you know, in the in the broad daylight. Sometimes it's hard to see on these little two-inch screens that weren't the best resolution back in the day. And uh, they said, hey, look, you, you got something being laid down in the, the, the crop there. So, um, that was all the sensation and, and the debunkers came flying in once. What was this uh, gentleman's name that kind of stole the video and then, uh, never really released it in its full form? Uh, his the name was Peter, Peter Sorensen. He's a, a guy who came over and then ended up living in Wiltshire from America uh, he, he's been around on the scene for many years now. Yeah, he took the video because uh, it was a lot longer. And, and I, I, you know, the story gets vague because it's passed on through two or three people. So, you know, it's, it's what you would call hearsay evidence, really. But, um, but the story goes that the video was a lot longer because they all remember watching it, you know, um, the, the first one over the TV. And then when after Sorensen had taken it, he, he said it got some of it got destroyed or lost, and he only had those kind of 15 seconds, that little part left where the balls actually make the crop circle. And so then 
everybody in the debunker community said it was animation. There was no way it was real. And uh, another filmmaker, Terry Toffness, uh, he came along and uh, he he actually interviewed a Disney uh, animation team in 2004. Uh, keep in mind, this film was recorded in 1996. Uh, this kid was from Australia, 19 years old, no connections, uh, you know, no animators surrounding him in the UK. Uh, to help him produce this effect, and yet he's got on his mini DV tape this this strange video, and the animators that observed this in 2004 said, we could possibly do this. It wouldn't be as perfect because the horizon line is changing. You can see, obviously, somebody's moving while they record these objects, but the balls stay in a perfect trajectory over top of the crop. They don't change therefore the the way that they're hovering and um he's they said it would be really hard to animate that so perfectly and in 1996 especially and in 2004 it would have taken them four days to turn around something like that yet this gentleman um he was able to turn it around in you know, apparently four hours before he ended up at the pub after recording this video, which is crazy. And gentlemen, we've seen it take a whole lot less time than that. What's the quickest in which people have reported, hey, look, I was here, it wasn't there, I came back, and there it was? Well, there was a famous... Yeah, go for it, Gary, sorry. Sorry. Um, uh, there are several reports. I know microlight pilots who, who fly in the area. Um, one of my, one of them is a very good friend of mine, Tony Hughes, He's got two stories, at least, um, where he's flown over. He, he always does a flight in the morning, a safety flight, when he opens up the sensor at 6 a.m. And um, he's got two stories where he's flown over a field. Um, he's taken, he takes the same route every day. And when he flies back, um, there's been a crop server in the field, 650 feet long, you know, intricate design and so on, that wasn't there when he flew over. The most famous story is 1996 when a, a light aircraft flew over Stonehenge with a family on board. Um, and it was, it was in the afternoon, late afternoon, about five o'clock. And when they flew back about 45 minutes later, there was a huge Julia set crop circle in the field adjacent to Stonehenge that, you know, they say that there's no way they wouldn't have seen that on the way out. So those are the, those are the shortest recorded periods we've got with witnesses my guest gary king darcy weir the film is crop circle realities there are some connections here and we're going to make those connections by the end of the program crop circle connections our episode on into the parabnormal i'm jeremy scott Want to listen to Into the Pair of Normal without the ads and support the show? Subscribe to our commercial-free podcast for just $4 a month at pairofnormalradio.com. Pair Abnormal News. I'm Brad Bernards. NASA's Ingenuity mini-helicopter has been dropped on the surface of Mars in preparation for its first flight. 
the U.S. Space Agency said, and reported by ScienceAlert.com. The ultralight aircraft had been fixed to the belly of the Perseverance rover, which touched down on the Red Planet on February 18th. Ingenuity is expected to make its first flight attempt no earlier than April 11th. Here's engineer Taryn Bailey at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. If we can successfully prove that we are that we can fly in a completely different atmosphere than what we're used to, then that'll usher in a new wave of technology across the board for future um, space exploration. The first flight will involve climbing at a rate of about 3 feet per second to a height of 10 feet, hovering there for 30 seconds, then descending back to the surface. One of what some consider the most notoriously haunted jails in Florida is looking for a new owner, according to a report in the Orlando Sentinel. The eight-bed, eight-bath former Gilchrist County Jail in Trenton is selling for a little less than $140,000. The listing from Watson Realty Group promotes the property as a great opportunity to own the only decommissioned, certifiably haunted jail in the state of Florida. Many paranormal teams have visited the jail over the years, including Soul Sisters Paranormal. We attempted to communicate with an entity known as Sam, who is believed to have been killed by a fellow inmate, and we attempted to communicate with the spirit of a man who is said to have hung himself to death in this cell, known as Cell 6. Gilchrist County Jail is considered one of the most haunted locations in north-central Florida. Read these stories and more at paraabnormalradio.com. This is Brad Bernards with Paraabnormal News. You see, it's easier to attack anybody who will stand up and say this is true. You'll love a good mystery, and chances are you've seen pictures of crop circles that have popped up around the world. In France, it's Vimy, France. Some people have been traveling hundreds of kilometers. So immediately upon entering the formation, looking to the left, I noticed this whole swathe of rape laid down. And the first stems that I look at, I notice are not broken at the base. People would fly over a field at noon and then come back at 12.10 and there'd be a two, three acre crop circle there. And Doug and Dave can't work that fast. Although it is true, there are a few individual hoaxers who have created their own crop circles as an elaborate art form. There's one video that seems to show one being built. Could be true. Since its first witnesses, this phenomenon has always had the same resemblance, conditions, and no direct eyewitnesses to account for humans fashioning these extraordinarily most complex crop circles created in the cover of night. The technology to induce such an effect to a plant on a scale like this simply does not currently exist. Shedding light on everything the lamestream media doesn't want you to know about and everything else they don't care to investigate. You're traveling with Jeremy Scott into the paranormal. Darcy, we're Gary King are my guests. And uh, the film, you just heard the trailer there from Crop Circle Realities. Darcy, where can they find it streaming? Apple TV and um, Google Play, um, Dish Network, Verizon Fios, Cox Cable, a whole bunch of different ways to... Uh, see it, whether you have cable, satellite, or uh, if you want to stream online. All right, fantastic. Crop Circle Realities, we do have a link uh, 
up at paranormalradio.com. In case you just want to go there, you can click and go from there. Uh, okay, we mentioned uh, we were talking about how quick it takes for some of these to form. And in the case of the orbs, Gary, how long did it take uh, as those orbs were kind of swirling overhead for that entire formation to uh, come together? Well, seconds. Um, they sort of flew around once and then... Um, uh, it, I don't know if that seemed to be some sort of like, I don't know, activation. And then as they flew around again, the wheat started to fall. And by the time they'd made the second revolution, as far as I remember, uh, it was falling down. And then a few more all swooped around as if to put a kind of like cherry on the cake and it all, and it all fell down. So I would say it took no more than seven, seven seconds or something around that area. So is this the smoking gun? I mean, because a lot of people have theories on how crop circles are made and what or who are behind them. And so in the case of of the orbs, maybe it doesn't explain all of them. But if we're looking for some sort of answer for how they're they're formed, particularly so quickly and so precisely, this is one of those explanations. I think seven, seven. 777 is is the smoking gun because it showed up in a very short amount of time. But yeah, definitely the orbs also adds to the credibility of these being created by some other intelligent source. I mean, orbs have been reported around crops and the uh, the glyphs that have shown up in crops for centuries. Uh, um, we talk about the Devil Mace Shalmo story of 16 1600s and in that news report that you know was on bronze tablets with the old printing uh brass tablets anyways on the old printing press copper plates that uh story actually reads of balls of fire that were seen over the crops that night so if these orbs are known to cause these formations. Uh, how do they get there? Do they come from some other, some somewhere else? Well, I, I like to I like to structure my own kind of thinking on things like that with, um, like you know, sort of branch structure. Really, I mean, when when um, when we see something like that footage with orbs, or you hear my testimony of this one flash of light, which could. Um, of being linked to it, I felt it. I felt it did, but that's only my testimony that I felt it did because I was there. Um, then, then we're looking at evidence, potential evidence that might show us the the mysterious postman of these messages that have been appearing um, for at least forty years in the modern campaign, and perhaps as we as as Adazi just mentioned, back to sixteen hundreds and beyond. So. Then we can start speculating. We, there's a branch off where we can start speculating as to what they are, right? Are they extraterrestrials? Are they earth spirits? Are they, you know, things coming back in time? All sorts of wacky and wild speculations and theories can be thrown out there then with regards to who they are or what they are. But if we step back a little bit, keeping our feet on the ground and being a little bit more pragmatic, we're looking at, again, 7,000 crop circles and a percentage of those which um, – we can look at and say we know they appeared in four or five hours of darkness, sometimes under heavy rain conditions, um, 
And we know when we get into them, if we're lucky to get into them early, that there's no damage to the crop, which would be consistent with people treading it down with boards. It's very easy to spot. Um, and then we have things like uh, circles, standing wheat uh, circles in the centre of formations, which are maybe 200 feet in diameter, and there's no centre. There's no, there's no point where somebody hammered in a stake or stood in the centre holding a rope because you can't, you can't make crops stand back up again. So if someone would have gone in the centre of this wheat and, and to mark out the perfect circle, you would need – you have to put a compass on a page to make a perfect circle. You can't not have a central point. So, so how does that happen? And then, and then you look at mathematical problems, which are hidden, the implicit geometry that's hidden within crop circles – which we know from a mass historical point of view that they've solved problems in crop circles which haven't been solved historically before. And we're looking at an intellectual profile then that's um, very, very high and off the charts. We combine those things together and, 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 and then we're talking about the messages. What, what does it mean? What are these symbols? What is, if it's a communication, what, what are they communicating to us? How are they communicating to us, and why in that way? Why is it through form, geometry, and so on? Um, you know, to me, again, to finish this long point, um, if if somebody lived, I, I use this as an analogy. If somebody lived in an apartment block, and every day for forty years they had these mysterious um, pieces of paper pushed under their door with symbols on them, geometry, and so on. Um, and everybody ha had them in the ho uh, whole apartment block, um, and nobody could catch them on camera. Maybe they caught them once or twice, and it was an orb, and you could guess about who the postman was. But you can ask yourself the question, you know, which is which is more important, ask, finding out who the postman is, who's leaving these messages, or what do the messages mean? So... What do the messages mean? Have you been able to get a sense of that? Because you've seen how many crop circles have you personally witnessed, Gary? Um, it's it's a, um, an estimate. I, I, I can set a conservative estimate. Um, I, I, at least nine hundred um, crop circles in twenty five years. Um, I've some of them multiple times because for several years I organised tour groups to crop circles and took groups of people back to the same crop circle several times. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> an awful lot of crop circles. And I've, I've camped out, you know, as I've said, and got to crop circles early and interviewed many people and been around all the researchers that have been around for many years, working closely with people like Michael Glickman and John Michelle and John Martineau and Alan Brown, people who are geniuses who've been able to find hidden geometry within the crop circles and structure and, and and being able to point me in the right directions to look towards ancient Greece and what Pythagoras and Plato and all of these kind of philosopher geometers were up to um, using geometry as a way to um, understand explain cosmology, the world. explain the world. Yeah, explain. Basically, it's like I could give you a when, when when anybody says to you, "Oh, okay, so what does it mean?" It's it's almost like you need to have a one a one sentence answer, really. But then when you give the one sentence answer, um, you then have to spend a long time like 
going back in the book to show why you've come arrived at that point. Do you know what I mean? And after 25 years, that's, that's the kind of way it gets. But basically, the crop circles are telling us that re, the, a, a large percentage of the crop circles are telling us that the material reality that we live in and the consciousness that we possess is not a random accident. There is an intelligent design behind the structure of the universe, which the philosophers of Plato and Pythagoras were all exploring, using geometry as a way to reconstruct figuratively, symbolically, the geometry that exists in nature with the Fibonacci sequence and pi and the, the golden ratio and so on that we see in flowers and our teeth and all parts of material reality. Um, Squaring the circle. Square in a circle. And you find that the planets, for example, in our solar system, um, they're all laid out. Um, so their mean orbits, the distances between each of the planets, and the relative sizes of the planets, the relative masses of the planets in our solar system, um, all conform to whole number ratios, two to one, three to one, four to one, uh, three to two, and so on, which we use to construct simple music here on Earth, which we which is a means to harmony. And so it gets deep. The more you look into how geometry mirrors reality and how these philosophers were using it for it to understand, oh, right, so there is, there is some design behind the universe. So the next question is, what's man's role in that universe? What, what are we here to do? We can, we've scratched our heads and we've discovered that this is the case. That's why they built the monuments all around the planets that contain the same geometry that we find in crop circles, squaring the circle and pi and so on, the pyramids at Giza. Um, they immortalized it. Even, even parts of the Amazon that have been deforested now, uh, showing inhabitation hundred, maybe over 100,000 years ago, have evidence of squaring the circle, which is what we find in crop circles. So, so it gets really deep towards questions of, it's not a religious God, but, uh, but an, uh, an intelligent design behind the universe. And therefore the questions about our existence and what we're doing and reflecting upon where humanity's at now and where we've come from might be a good idea for us to change now. And I believe that's why the crop circles are here now. Jeremy, might, might I add something? Feel free. Okay. Um, you know, not to be a total rebel, I'll add something that's perhaps pair abnormal here. Uh, so <laughs> I, I just, I added a little uh, photo here, uh, which you can see, maybe the audience can't, but this is a massive glyph. Uh, it showed up in a crop circle um, area of Wiltshire of the UK called Chilbolton, C-H-I-L-B-O. T-O-L-T-O-N. Um, and people can like Google this, the Chilbolton crop circle uh, formations. And this one's really, I mean, it's extremely detailed. It looks like it's been, um, you know, machine machined out of this part of the earth, or you could even say uh, 3D printed. You know, we know about this technology now but this looks like it's been 3D printed in a medium that is crop, you know, and it shows this alien sort of head, a silhouette, uh, and then it has this disc and in binary code, uh, a bunch of things are apparently said there. Um, one of which Jaime talks about in the documentary, which uh, it says, 
you know, much pain, but there's still time. I think there's messages that are quite obvious and direct that are like this, that we've recorded in history. Um, and there seems to be a concern for humanity. There seems to be um, somebody out there that's watching us, um, perhaps that's more advanced than us, that's saying, hey guys, you know, we're here too. We're interested in what you're doing. We're worried about you. Um, you know, it's there's all kinds of things to the phenomenon of ET, for example, that may not be super peaceful. You know, Richard Dolan, I just finished interviewing yesterday for a new documentary that I'm working on. Uh, we went over some really incredible, you know, history. He's the he is the ultimate, uh, you know, historian on this phenomenon globally. And we touched on, you know, possible nefarious motives and stuff. And, and um, you know, abductions may even be seen as something not very friendly you know you're doing something you're taking something uh or someone beyond their will and doing some stuff and then putting them back that's nice enough but still it's an abduction and in this phenomenon there's no sign of that everything that you see with these glyphs that are showing up these agro glyphs um in the crops around the world and and by majority in the uk seem to be peaceful messages very peaceful and people say well what if there's crop circles well why didn't they just land and it's like uh, if you're a total illiterate on the this, this subject you know that maybe they don't want to land because we've been shooting at them for a long time crash craft retrievals all kinds of evidence of that type of aggressive history we've had towards ufos um so Maybe these messages for some groups is a way of breaking that barrier and still getting television, you know, coverage and uh, write-ups online and people are spreading the news and hundreds and thousands of people are coming every summer, every spring to the crops of Wiltshire to see what's new that's showing up. And, you know, the Jonathan Wiley story we talked about where this formation showed up this man was from australia okay and the, this is a perfect example people travel from all around the world to see these things um i mean i would love to go and see one in person myself when this pandemic goes away you know that would be an amazing trip to go to the ancient world of you know where we people even say and I've heard Gary talk about this so many times on other shows we've done. And he says, you know, people ask me all the time, why, why here? Why Wiltshire? Well, this is where the birth of the modern nation came from. And the, the English empire spanned out and, you know, took over the world. And it all came from modern agriculture, modern farming, um, you know, we, we know that the Sumerians 5,000 years ago had gardens and stuff, um, but that's not farming, industrial farming, where we had these clear-cut, these massive forested areas and put down fields of barley, corn, wheat, 
you know, canola. And those are all the different types of crops that these formations show up in, these glyphs, these messages. And they're all extremely, some of them are extremely hard to work with. Canola, the stalk is as thick as celery, you know. So to bend that and not make it break and to add the added complexity that most of these are showing up on hills, you know, um, before the break, we had discussed the uh, Asahi campaign, the beer Japanese beer company. That took them a week to produce with 40 men. And it was a beer label on a flat wheat field. Tell me that you could get them to do this Chilbolton formation with the disc and the silhouette of an alien head that shows up in less than three hours overnight in the cover of darkness with, you know, no footprints leading in and out of the field, no car tracks nearby. The farmer's pissed off because he thinks vandals have done this. And, you know, in the end, no one's come forward to claim responsibility for it. So it's like, for me, the crop circle issue is huge and it's completely overlooked because a lot of people, even in this field that we're in, have accepted the debunker theory that they're all made by man. And, you know, Doug Bauer and Dave Chorley came forward right at the peak of this phenomenon showing up in, 19, in the 1990s. Um, in the same field that uh, a massive formation showed up in 1990, uh, and that is Eastfield, where Gary King saw his um, 777 formation show up. And so, you know, it, it's too bad that people believed Doug Bauer and Dave Chorley. It's as if we don't want to think critically. We don't want to um, even comprehend that these incredible things are happening that, uh, you know, may challenge the way that we traditionally think. We just go, oh, OK, it's just made by man. Back to watching hockey. We see that with a lot of paranormal subjects where once you float one theory, it's hard to get another uh, to stick. And so as we continue to talk about the connections of crop circles with Gary King and Darcy Weir, you can join us at 855-790-8255 or 855-790-TALK in North America or 503-506-0396 outside North America and on Skype at ITP51. Much more to come with them right after this. Don't venture too far. You might not make it back into the pair of normal. Shattering science. You're traveling into the paranormal. 
Crop Circles tonight. The subject of conversation with my guests has featured in Crop Circle Realities, which you can find streaming. There's a link at ParanormalRadio.com. Our Gary King and Darcy Weir. Gary's uh, been investigating Crop Circle formations and been filming them and visiting them for over 25 years and Darcy's been making films for about nine years now on many subjects you can find all those at occultjourneys.com um, and of course Gary's got a Facebook page against the grain as well if you're interested in following these two gentlemen and learning more about the crop circle subject so as we were talking about well Darcy was, was saying right before the break making a very excellent point about how you can explain some of these but that doesn't mean you can explain them all, right? That is correct. That is very correct. I mean, look, there's just such a rich history of these things happening and and I think, you know, Gary can explain it even better um when it comes to how Doug and Doug Bauer and Dave Chorley, the famous uh, debunkers, hit the scene uh, back in, what was it 1991, Gary? That's right, yeah. Yeah. 1991, yeah. And that was a world-famous story. The gentleman claimed that they were just trying to get the attention of UFO organizations, right? Yeah, the, the, <laughs> it was very difficult to get... Um, you know, it, the main thrux of their of their reasoning behind why they said they'd been doing it was to fool people, to play a trick, to to you know, as a joke. Um, to you know, it, it sort of developed later the story with other with other um, hoaxes. People who or go out and make them or say that they make them, they all kind of fall up and fall under one umbrella of claimants or whatever. They they. Um, the, the story got more sophisticated as it went along, really, you know, that they were doing it just to um, exploit people that wanted to say that it was something paranormal or uh, whatever. Um, one of them famously said to, there, there was a crop circle competition that was done, that was covered by the newspapers back in the early days, in the early 90s. Um, there was a £3,000, I think, um, budget for whoever won it, and there were several teams that came forward. None of them were the people who say that they make the crop circles. They were just sort of people who wanted to have a go. And they spent 10 hours in a field, and they made these kind of dumbbell-shaped pictograms, and someone got some group of students got judged to be the best, I think, in the end and won the prize. And when Michael asked them why they did it, they said they enjoy the discomfiture of others. They they like to make people uncomfortable. Um, who knows? I mean, you know, that's a whole other area again of getting into the psychology of what would make people want to misrepresent what they do. Uh, what would then be the motives behind wanting to cover it up? There's all sorts of questions that could go off in other directions on that one. I just want to make a point. So we have to be very careful about that because, so you say Doug and Dave, you know, were behind this hoax and they just did it for attention. So that means everybody uh, who is going to fake one of these, it, it does it for the same reasons and that every one of these is just like those. Um, we can't be rushing to, you know, rash judgments. Um. Well, no. I mean, you know, each individual, when you're there on the ground and you're there for a whole season, it's obviously different. 
people who come from abroad usually stay for a couple of weeks and they get lucky and a few crop circles are around or there's one that appeared a week before, maybe a fortnight, even a month before that they can go to visit. But to be on the ground and trying to catch the latest news to get to a, a first report of a formation and examine it without people having visited it and damaged it so that you can't tell and so on is actually quite difficult to do. You've got to hang out there for a long time to satisfy yourself that there are formations that can't be explained because of the time frame that they appeared under and the conditions and the complexity of the design without making mistakes. Um, the uneven lay of the ground, which means that a lot of the circles are not actually circles. They're, they're oval shaped so that they look circular from above. Um, these kinds of uh, top, topological considerations that surveyors uh, would would normally be consulted for happen under the you know the hours of darkness and so there's lots of things that stack up you know when you when you hang around the crop circles for a long time which cause you to scratch your head and say well you know this one this one it just it just isn't you know, for example, I mentioned the other night that some crop circles you go to, you'll see the main body of the lay of the crop, which is undamaged, going in one direction, let's say clockwise. And then on the edges where it meets the standing crop, you'll find two or three stems which are going in the opposite direction all the way around the formation. And you see all these little details where the, the lay of the crop goes down in one place and then it in some intersections, it folds together, uh, laying over a sort of crop that's coming from eight other uh, directions. But it's done as if it's like one of those magic boxes that you fold up and make it go flat and it all sort of folds together in different geometries. So there's lots and lots of considerations um, which all come down to you questioning the time frame and the darkness and the thousands of them where there are no mistakes. And then any builder or architect will always tell you that any building project, which essentially this is, always goes over budget and always goes over time. And yet these things, these ones that appear overnight here, and we're not talking one a night and one next week, and we're talking sometimes five a night and three the next night. And, you know, it goes like that. So it's, it's a big, big operation. Gary, when you're uh, first on the ground and you get to one of these crop circles and you're trying to document uh, and, and you go inside, what do you feel? Well, um, <clears throat> it changes on you. Uh, the longer you spend with crop circles, in my own experience, when I first started to go to crop circles, they were electric to me. There was There was an atmosphere that I felt inside them that was sort of different from walking out. And I paid attention to sort of things that went on before I went into the crop circle and how I was feeling and my emotions and took check of myself before I stepped into them. And then, you know, sometimes would find myself sort of feeling a little bit drunk. Uh, I'd find I had headaches. Um, I had um, elation sometimes. I had uh, feelings of woe and depression in some others. Uh, there was a range of emotions. And then, Later on in years, when I took groups to crop circles, I was in a privileged position to be able to observe people um, going into crop circles and see if 
they had the same sorts of experiences, which they did. Mm. I'd sort of over the years become immune to them and could tune them in and tune them out because I'd spent so much time in them. But I'd watch other people go in and cry and laugh and run around and children that didn't want to go in, then as soon as they stepped inside, they become like energetic fireballs. And so, yeah, there's all sorts of observational things which are interesting as well. Very, very fascinating because I don't think that we've ever heard that in all the years of, you know, people always ask me, do you learn things new when you do this program? And I say, absolutely, because I listen. And when you listen, you learn information. And the fact that you are able to determine that others experienced the same emotions, the the vast range of emotions that you outlined, as did you upon entering these crop circles, well, that says something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it's it's you speak to any researchers, my peers, Karen and Steve Alexander, and sadly Michael Glickman left us last year, but... Um, you know, um, there's there's lots there's lots of people who've experienced these over the years. There's too much to, for it to be it's, it's, to be something that's to be dismissed. There is there is something in that. Um, there's there's also you know something in um, um, the some people experience sort of strange coincidences that lead them to the crop circles. They've they've got stories to tell, and you listen to those over the years, and you think, wow, this. It's just it's so funny sometimes. You know, sometimes we can just project these things, but there's, there's, sometimes you pick up a sense where, I don't know, um, it, felt stra- it felt strange that that person should arrive at a crop circle and have an experience where they met someone, for example. I mean, I, I'll give you I'll give you an example. If we've got time, I'll tell you a story. I went into a crop circle once, and there was a Dutch woman, Dutch Janet Osterbard, who I mentioned earlier, who was in there, and she'd brought some people over from Holland. And recently on Facebook, she'd, she'd had to have an operation on her neck and she was posting pictures of her recovered neck with stitches in it and so on. And, and, and that was some months before. And so when I met her in the crop circle, I said, oh, so, so you've got, you know, you've shown pictures of your scar and I've got a scar on my leg from an old injury and I showed her this scar. I said, that's a proper scar, just joking with her. And then this other guy who's from Holland showed us his legs and he, he looked like he'd been eaten by a shark. Um, he, he had all these scars all over his legs. It was terrible. And then there was this Dutch couple sitting on the floor. Um, and uh, so we said to this man, God, you know, you win the prize. What happened to your legs for Christ's sake? You know, and he explained this, he was at a party in Amsterdam and the balcony, they were on a balcony, too many people and the balcony collapsed and they fell two stories and their legs got, his legs got smashed up. And then the man who was sitting on the floor, this man in his 60s, started talking in, in Dutch to Janet. And it turns out that he was, and then I could see their surprised faces, and it turns out that he was the lawyer that 25 years ago had settled the class action for this man who'd just shown us his legs. And they'd never met because he represented a lot of people, and he's the man who got him his compensation and so on. And and if it hadn't have been for me just mentioning this picture of the scar for Janet and then joking and showing the scars on the legs, this man would have never known that the guy sitting on the floor was the lawyer who got him his compensation 25 years ago for the thing on his legs. There's crazy stories like that. Do you know what I mean? Well, the law of attraction basically is what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, 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 and it happens in crop circles. It happens around crop circles. There's loads of stories that you pick up over the years where people 
have these crazy coincidences and meet people they haven't seen 25 years or <clears throat> it's strange I, I i can't explain it it's just one of these things you hear over the years i met my wife in a crop circle is that a true story, Darcy? Or are you pulling our leg? No, I'm just pulling your leg. But that would be cool. That would be because that would be a that would be probably uh, the name of another documentary. Um, I met my wife in a crop circle, and the rest is history. Crop crop, crop circle weddings. <laughs> crop circle well, I, diaries. I know, I, know, I know a 20-year-old. She's she's in her 20s now, but she was conceived in a crop circle. <laughs> well, uh, that, that would be that would a, be fun, man. That would be cool. You yeah. should do a documentary on that, Darcy. <laughs> well, I think there, there's definitely something like that on X videos already. I don't know. Okay. 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 Um, attracted to them as well, I hear, because of some believe and some say that they get a healing uh, or some sort of energy or power. You know, when they visit these crop circles and it's as if that they are attracted to them um there's been some scientific stuff that's done on this by lucy pringle she's a veteran researcher of the crop circles she has what she used to call a scientific day i think she still runs them um and uh, she took parkinson's patients to them and uh, an ordinary people for control and they had blood tests taken before they went into a crop circle when they're in them and when they came out um and there was some evidence uh, statistically which showed that they had an increase in thyroid levels whilst they were in a crop circle and it persisted in some people for a couple of hours afterwards when they left and during those episodes some of them felt relief from some of the symptoms that they had with Parkinson's um, there, there have been anecdotal reports of people saying that they feel better I, I have a friend who uh, uh, who, who had had uh, throat cancer and had uh, she'd had um, chemotherapy or radiotherapy, one of those on her throat, and as a result hadn't been able to eat solid food for some years after the the therapy. And she came to a crop circle with me, um, and afterwards reported to me that for two weeks she was able to eat solid food, but it but it dissipated, it didn't last. And you know that was just her story where she told me that. So it's not scientific. So you would have to go back, theoretically. Uh, the, the healing energy from a crop circle uh, only lasts for so long is basically what you're saying. Well, the people that, yeah, the people that have reported it and the science that has been done, which is limited, seems to suggest that there is a change in, in um, hormonal me- um, uh, metabolism um, and that, for some reason, gives some people what they say is, a, is relief. Um that's all the studies that's been done. I think there's, I think there's a really, really interesting uh, scientific, you know, proven uh, study to the energy that comes from crop circles, certain ones. Um, so Gary King over the years has worked with a gentleman that we mentioned in the documentary named uh, William C. Levengood. And this is a, gentleman from michigan state who's a scientist he took interest in the crop circle phenomenon and he said hey some of you that are researching this over in the uk send me some samples of the crop i'd like to examine them the ones that seem to almost look like they laid down willingly to create these formations 
you know, that aren't broken, that are still growing. Um, and when he examined those uh, stocks, he noticed that at the nodes, they seem to have expelled steam, um, that there was some kind of like energetic reaction that was going on inside of the plant. And the soil was pulling uh, like metal fragments. Um, sorry, the the stalks were pulling metal fragments of, out of the soil in like little balls of spheres of, of ore into the stalks when this reaction was happening. And he also noticed that, you know, um, people that had been mentioning this sort of energetic feeling inside of the, the, the crop formations, um, some of them were bringing seeds and Gary, you can speak to this a bit better than me, but you know, in ancient times with Stonehenge and these ancient ley line sites, people have been recorded in history from all over Europe traveling to this, this area with bags of seeds. Am I right? Um, yeah. Um, it's, it's not my field of expertise, but I've got friends who, um, there's one friend in particular, a man called uh, Glenn Broughton, who runs a kind of tour group a business where he takes people around the ancient energetic sites. He's done a lot of work with uh, people like Hamish Jake, um uh, Hamish Jacobs, who um, Hamish Miller, sorry, who 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 wrote that wonderful book, the Sea, the Serpent, um, which shows the ley lines of Britain. It's this theory that there are kind of like acupuncture meridian lines, and there are nodal points which used to be the sites of pagan sites, which were replaced by churches that were placed across the British la uh, landscape, um, where people used to go uh, for healing. Um, and used to put their seeds in these places at certain full moons and things like this and um, would energise the seeds and get more yield from them. Um, and what what Levengood found with crop circle studies was that crop circles can come down at different stages of the maturity of the crop. So if it's too young... Um, it can dehydrate them badly uh, because because the water content inside the plants gets heated up and the expulsion cavities come out of the nodes and dehydrates the plants. And so the seeds that come from that are dehydrated and won't yield or won't even germinate. And then uh, that can be the same in older crop that's towards the end because it's getting very dry. Um, but there is a period, a sweet spot, somewhere in the growth period where if a crop circle comes uh, into the wheat, into the crop, you take the seeds and plant them and you get 10 times, up to 10 times more yield from them. And, and Levengood found this curious. So he, he realized that electricity, there's three components that he detected that had affected the crop, electricity, microwaves, and magnetism, those three terrestrial energies. And so he began applying electrical impulses to seed heads and planting them to see if he could replicate this kind of process where he could get more yield from seeds. And he, and he, and he was successful um, and he patented the process. It's actually under a US patent. So he learned something from crop circles by manipulating energy of electricity uh, and applying them in microvolts or whatever it was 
to seed heads at certain points that he could get more yield from those seed heads and therefore that you know the potential for that was to obviously feed more people make more bread or or beer maybe that's what they make with a lot of the wheat <laughs> sure Yes, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. We do have some questions, and maybe we can get one of these in here before the break. David wants to know, do animals act differently in crop circles? Um, some of them, some of them, it seems, are attracted. So there's a lot of deer in, uh, in Wiltshire. A lot, uh, lot of attraction are, you know, again. Very, right. They're very timid. They're very timid normally, and, you know, it's, you know you, if you want to catch them, you've got to hang out and wait for them. But they'll run around in the fields. And there are lines, um, which are not human-made lines, that are running through the standing crop uh, toward the crop circle that have been clearly created by animals at night or whenever they've been able to be undisturbed or when they've gone to visit the crop circle, it seems. So, yeah, it would seem that it seems that sometimes they are. Maybe it's not just humans that are conceiving in these crop circles. Could be, so yeah. This is one of the other theories that maybe it's an alien. Papers maybe it's an alien breeding ground. I'll plant that seed for our next segment with Darcy Weir and Gary King. Documentary crop circle realities. I'm Jeremy Scott. Back after this. Into the Paranormal is heard 24-7 on the Paranormal Radio app with TalkStream Live and streaming worldwide at ParabnormalRadio.com. Parabnormal News, I'm Brad Bernards. Is there life clinging to the International Space Station? And what might it mean for future missions? According to an article by Wired.com, a team at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory's Biotechnological and Planetary Protection Group have been studying samples of microbes found in the International Space Station since 2015. The findings have shown multiple organisms and bacteria over the years. In mid-March to early April, a new unknown bacteria was discovered growing on the walls of the ISS. These microbes are thought to have appeared by way of astronauts. Researchers are calling this new bacteria M. Ajamali, and there's a chance the bugs are in some sense aliens. The bacteria has been supportive in helping food growth on Earth and may have a potential on other worlds as well. In general, what NASA has found may be the building blocks to living on Mars. That is if we can control it in a stabilized environment like the International Space Station. This is Daniel Brewer for Paranormal News. Scientists at NASA have reported an exciting detection of its InSight lander on Mars, mysterious rumblings coming from the interior of the planet. Sky News reports the researchers believe the seismic event may be caused by a sudden release of energy from the planet's interior, but the nature of that release remains puzzling. Mars may appear to be a cold, barren wasteland. Scientists say it's far more active. In fact, a new mission from NASA has uncovered ongoing seismic activity on Mars, declaring the red planet to be alive. Natasha Sweet reporting for RT. The new rumblings are believed to have originated in a location on Mars called Kerberos Fosse, where two other previous candidate events are believed to have originated. Read these stories and more at paraabnormalradio.com. This is Brad Bernards with Paraabnormal News. Crop circles appear around the world. 
but the large majority are found in Wiltshire, a small corner of southwest England. Electronics often go wrong in crop circles. Some people will describe a strange tingling, headaches, or feeling rather ill. Whatever it had had tremendous force to it. The corn is not knocked over. It's actually crushed. We wanted to make the UFO society think that a UFO had landed. They didn't know whether to believe it or not. In the famous Mel Gibson film, Signs, of course, the crop circles in that film are announcing the arrival of rather evil aliens. There's a monster outside my room. Can I have a glass of water? Now, I don't feel that that is what's going on. It's going to be something rather stranger and more subtle. I can't really rule out aliens, but you have to wonder in the back of your mind, you know. So just how did the circles get there? Is it the work of kids or from a force above? When the lights go down, the strange comes out into the paranormal. Uh, I'm not saying it aliens, it's aliens, but I'm kind of saying it's aliens. I know that comment right before the break kind of uh, sent a chill through some of you. Maybe they are alien breeding grounds. I mean, I don't know. We have to entertain all possibilities. And we're doing that with Gary King and with Darcy Weir. Crop Circle Realities is the name of the film. OccultJourneys.com is the website for Darcy's great documentaries. Uh, Gary's got a Facebook page, Against the Grain, and a YouTube channel as well. Highly recommend it. Good having both of them on the program. I also want to get back to some of the messages as well and some of the theories as well. So let's try to wrap this up here in our final half hour. It seems as if these crop circles, the dimensions are are rather perfect. Would you agree, Gary? They're absolutely perfect. That's the that's the thing with geometry. If you there are methods, you see, um, where you use just a straight edge and a compass and a pencil to draw geometry, and. Um, <clears throat> The way that uh, you divide a circle, for example, um, into six or to make a six-petaled flower, for example, or um, if you want to divide it into five and create what people call the uh, flower of life, um, and pentagrams within that and octagrams and so on, divide space, divide a circle, a circular space into another shape, then there, there are ways of doing that without measurements. Um, on paper, which go back in history. Um, and the way, so so if, let's say, for example, I wanted to construct, um, if you look at Islamic tile patterns, what, what you see with traditional Arabic tile patterns and mosaics um, is built up from a sequence of geometry of drawing circles and knowing where to place the compass point to make another circle and then taking the intersection points from that to then draw a straight line and make a connection with another one, which gives you a two-to-one ratio of something you did before and so on. Then you make your mosaic and you rub out all of the stuff, all the plan, the floor plan that was there necessary to create the, 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 the finished design. Well, that's what a crop circle is like. The, the way that they're precise is because there's a plan that's not visible in the field that surrounds the outside of it and the inside of it, and, the, and we just see the little bits that have been cut out of that pattern, just like Islamic pattern work. That's, that's what makes them even more ingenious in my mind. They're not done by measurements and laser lights and 
unless people make them for beer adverts. <clears throat> and so if you were to determine in one of the ways that this could be faked is that if it was done by humans, if it was done in the form of, uh, you know, a board and a piece of rope and someone stomping down wheat, uh, it would be a lot more noticeable. Yeah, it's really, you know, I did an episode for Ancient Aliens um, some years ago, and they had three well-known crop circle makers come out in the day and go into a field of canola and recreate a crop circle which had appeared sort of 10 years before in um, another location in Wiltshire. It was a relatively small um, 45-foot radius sort of circle design, six-petaled crescent sort of petals. And from above, if you had a drone at 200 feet, it looks like a crop circle. But when you go inside and you see the stems of the of the canola that have been smashed and all the flowers have, have, have fallen off and, and, and the scrape marks where the border's rubbed against the stems as it's taken a step forward to push down again and push down again. Um, and you compare that to the photograph of the original where all the little yellow leaves of the canola were all perfectly in place and there were no scrape marks. There was this, this sea of yellow flowers compared to this smashed up um, example that we got on Ancient Aliens. When you look at those two things, you have to ask yourself, well, how, how do you walk across a bed of very delicate flowers which fall off when you rub against them and not make them fall off and lay them down in these patterns? How do you do that? Yeah, I would also add um, just the the complexity of them being, you know, mo many of them being formed on hills. Um, the Asahi advert that was created with, you know, a team of 40 men, they use technology to plan everything out, uh, you know, commercial tractors, all that stuff. Um, and it took them seven days uh, they did this on a flat surface uh, with wheat, which is relatively easy to work with. But, you know, canola is not. And uh, to, to do this on a hill with canola and, and from above to see it as symmetrical, perfect, you know, without flaw visually, it's incredibly difficult to do. And Doug and Doug Bauer, Dave Chorley, these guys could not do that. They, none of these people that say they've done this can come forward and, and say, oh, we can make it look perfect like that in the cover of night with no headlamps, uh, you know, only one or two of us and make this massive formation that we, you know, that's incredibly intricate showing geometry, symmetrical perfection uh, and a message um, that's that's complex. But uh, I would also add, you know, before the last break, it was more of a joke, the whole conceiving thing. I'm, I don't think these are breeding grounds, but it's just, uh, you know, sex jokes are fun. Well, you never know because, I mean, a spaceship could come down from outer space and land and either abduct or return uh, willing or unwilling participants. Okay. Yes, that's I mean, always possible. a possibility. It's not highly reported. Let's just say that. I mean, abduction reports are, are widely reported, but not necessarily landing in a crop circle. No doubt. No, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. No. That's right. But, yeah, I mean, is there an ET connection here at all? Um, well, 
there are there are obvious references to ET the, in the in the face and the message uh, in the uh, the one with the disc. Um, there's the, also obviously the Arecibo reply, the face and the message from. That's um, also the same crop circle um, location. It's the Chill Bolton exactly. Chill Bolton uh, location in in the UK uh, crop area, and that came in 2001. Response to Carl Sagan's message in 1974. That's right. So there are references, but then there are lots of crop circles which don't reference ET, i.e. the geometry and the animals and the insects and uh, the religious and philosophical symbols like the yin-yang and the cross of Christ and so on. Um, uh, so you know, you've got questions there then, whether it's all ET, whether, whether, whether extraterrestrials, benevolent ones are playing a part in a campaign along with other mysterious messengers of of strange symbols that, that which can be geometric or astronomical or whatever it's it's um it's it's not a definite answer but i think there is enough evidence to say there is an et involvement there is there is um and there's ufos which are unidentified orbs flying around whether or not they're being piloted by et or controlled like some sort of drone or whatever else that's that's another question as well so i don't know uh, what i do know is that these things are not like fuzzy lights in the sky like you see with ufo footage um you know that you know strange lights and so on some more convincing than others these these things are impressions in wheat and we have real practical questions um about how they could have been done in the time frame and so on um so precisely uh, without detection, thousands of times, um, real practical questions that kind of keep your feet on the ground with regards to the crop circles. There's, there's so many. It's 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 also. I would add finally that on my point here is the crop circles have become a kind of catch-all for lots of paranormal happenings. So you've talked. We talked about healing, for example. So healers have come and brought people to be healed by crop circles with some success and, or reported success, some, you know, a lot of it you can't verify. There have been Mayan people who've come because they've been Mayan symbols. There've been Chinese people who have come because they've seen the yin-yang and they've seen references to Chinese philosophy. There've been geometers, people who've been interested in sacred geometry come. There've been psychics who come and say they have premonitions, meditators, yoga, um, all sorts Farmers. of disciplines. Yeah, there's all kind of poured into the crop circles, ET, UFO researchers, people who want to explain it from one direction or another. And they may all or, or none of them be correct, I don't know. But they're there and you can walk in them and you can measure them and you can film them from above and you can examine them. And there's lots of questions that come out of that. That's another interesting layer to it. You know, the petroglyphs of Peru uh, you can only view them from the sky. And yeah. these messages are, you know, done in these crops. Uh, they're only viewable from the sky. So when they do get reported on, um, they often are reported on in some newspapers or magazines. They're definitely all over online, the pictures. 
and um, they're beautiful and they just have a lot of word and word of mouth spread. So I, I think in terms of the actual messages being spread across the world and and known about um, whoever's making these messages, they're accomplishing that goal of, of everything disseminating eventually. So if you're not a subscriber of an of a spaceship landing in the field and making this formation, would you subscribe more to the theory that these orbs maybe come from a mothership if there is this ET connection, that these orbs come from a mothership and then, you know, basically swoop down over these fields? So it's so it's so again it's speculation. I mean, you know, we talk about um for example, ancient people, the Amazonians and stuff, they've got paintings and things that go back for a long time that which paint orbs over the forest and they've reports of seeing them and they say they're forest spirits. Um there seem to be lots of stories historically where people have seen various apparitions and they get ascribed to whatever is the current um paradigm of the day of what explains mysterious things whether it's fairies at the end of the garden in victorian times or you know technological times we talk about ets and ufos it's it's uh, it could you know there's this there's this meeting point isn't there um between something mysterious and how we interpret it that comes from within us what we project onto it and also what hit what it does presenting itself to us in one form or another. Looking back through mythology with Chupacabra here in Mexico and 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 if you go to Africa, the Contable and the spirits that run around in the forest, there's, there's an abundance of things which explained mysterious happenings and mysterious symbols being left behind. Uh, Darcy, I'm interested in your in your take as well because you've done a lot of these documentaries, talked with a lot of people, and maybe you see some connections or patterns between it all. Well, yeah, I mean, orbs are incredibly prevalent in the UFO phenomenon. You know, we've seen orbs around crop circles, yes, and possibly creating them. Uh, we've seen black helicopters flying over some of these crop formations after orbs have been reported flying through as well am i right gary yeah oh yeah well it's a see the one thing is it's it's a very big military area wiltshire it's, it's the biggest military area of europe actually training ground and lots of the military is stationed in this area employs most of the people who, who live in wiltshire the military yeah um, so there's there's a lot of helicopters flying around, especially during, when they're doing their manoeuvres, their, their six weeks of sort of training in the summertime. Um, and, and you know, you can expect if a helicopter pilot's flying over, which they're allowed to do, they're allowed to fly low and they're allowed to fly and use the landscape of Wiltshire as a sort of training ground. Um, and so if, if, you know, if you were up there flying a helicopter around and, and, and you looked out your window and saw a crop circle, I'd turn left and go over and have a closer look. So For sure. It could be. It could be for you know. I, I've I, I've seen some mis- very mysterious helicopters, like plain ones that aren't military, that look like executive VIP with all dark out windows. Several of them come fifty feet above a crop circle and hover there as if a bunch of VIPs were brought out from the base to look at one. Yeah. Um, dark out helicopters, which was very strange. But for the most part, you know, you can't read too much into military helicopters flying around in a military area. 
I would just say that, you know, uh, whenever there's been very prevalent UFO sightings, there there sometimes tends to be a follow-up military visit. But, um, yeah. you know, going into orbs again, they've been they've been recorded all around the planet. I mean, even outside the planet, the NASA um, space missions, there's STS missions, uh, the space shuttle missions, where we've seen orbs in the videos that are being recorded by NASA's space cameras. Um, and, you know, then there's obviously orb ufos that many people have seen floating over towns cities uh you name it um in fact in this documentary we recover some orbs that were recorded uh flying into niagara falls um famous little video there and in russia some orbs that were flying over some some you know uh folks homes there and in, in in uh moscow and it just it seems pretty odd that we would always see these orbs and often the orbs are not very big the the ones that i'm reporting on there are there have been orb ufos that have been large like uh japan airlines um a massive one that looked like a sun uh that was reported um Japanese Airlines, I think it was 1983, that had to kind of evade out of the area. And this was um, highly reported, I think, covered in the uh, Disclosure Project with uh, Stephen Greer. But um, the smaller orbs, you know, I like that uh, Gary was mentioning before that, you know, we don't know what kind of intelligences out there could be using in terms of their technology and if they were using their version of a drone to scope out an area take a look at what we're doing you know remotely um, our drones are really sophisticated for what we have now um, they're you know being deployed in wars they're being deployed in uh for news purposes to you know monitor volcanoes all kinds of places that are hazardous to people um and they're getting more and more sophisticated can go further um they can fly higher they can be armed with weapons yada 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 i think orbs are they very well could be orbs they are sorry <laughs> Orbs are orbs. They they very well could be drones from another civilization. You know, this is a vehicle that has been sent um, that can't. It's small, can't necessarily be shot at. Right? Um, it's probably a little bit more nimble than an aircraft, and it can do multiple things. It can observe. Uh, it can maybe lay a, a uh, crop formation, and uh, it can basically be a unthreatening form of uh craft you know darig it's the final word she asks uh is this the planet's way of communicating through sacred geometry your thoughts on that well sacred geometry is, is considered to be sacred uh, because it's something that's inside of us and outside of us at the same time so it goes deep into this issue about consciousness and geometry 
uh, and the material world being um, made of the same stuff. And so it's, you know, all these theories of unity and so on, which are expressions of geometry. That's why it's sacred. You know, um, it's, it's, it, we, hear, we hear, for example, a, a two-to-one ratio, which we see in geometry with a circle um, drawn inside a circle, you put a triangle, an equilateral triangle, and inside that tri- equilateral triangle, you draw another circle touching the sides. And the circle inside will be two to one ratio outside. This was used throughout Gothic cathedral building to make uh, kind of music visual because the ratios of the two windows, one circular five foot and one ten foot, looks harmonious to us. So we see it for some reason why. And it's because it's music visually. If you take a t- uh, the st- top string of a guitar, when you pluck it, it's an E note, the whole note, the one note. If you divide it two to one by putting your finger at the halfway point and plucking it again, you'll hear an E note by an octave higher. So- I'm afraid that's all the time we have with Gary King and with Darcy Weir. Go check out Crop Circle Realities. Highly recommended. We'll talk to you Monday night and then again next Saturday on Into the Parabnormal. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.